Now let's hear the word of the Lord, reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the one man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you as a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, Here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed? Well, then why should you put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest? So the bag of gold from him and he took that and gave it to the one who had ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will be taken from them. And thrown that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be wish, weeping and gnashing of teeth. The good news is I'm not going to focus on that part uh, of the passage. Uh, the bad news is God will remember that <laughs> too, though. Uh, I want to I begin with, uh, uh, with our about statement uh, because uh, this message, there's going to be two, uh, two uh, lines uh, that I'm going to share with you, and I believe that they, they really tie in well to our about statements. In fact, uh, if we live out these two lines, that, uh, that we will see uh, them uh, as foundation to the things that we say we're about. So together, let's uh, remind ourselves what we're about in, there, in uh, both uh, sides uh, of, the, 
of the uh, worship center. So we are about loving people, transforming lives, making disciples. So uh, in her book, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown introduces the reader to the term, a term that she, uh, she uses with her co- co-workers called uh, a marble jar friend. And here's the story behind that, that phrase. Uh, when her daughter Ellen was in the third grade, uh, Ellen came home and she kind of shut the door and then leaned against it and slid down into a heap, covered her face, and began to sob. Now, Brene was at the door. She saw her daughter do this, and immediately her mother's heart went out to her broken-hearted girl, and she said, Honey, what happened? What's going on? And at that point, then Ellen uh, started telling her about what happened that day. First of all, something embarrassing happened which she was more than happy to share with her best friends. And she got a pinky swear, and then she told her secret. Uh, uh, but one of those friends betrayed the, the trust, and by the time they got to their third-grade classroom, all the kids in the classroom knew that embarrassing moment. And they began to pile on and make fun of, of Ellen. Now, during that time, of course, Miss Balkum. The, the teacher hears and sees what's, what's happening. And so she takes out this jar full of marbles, places it on her desk, and then reaches in, grabs them, and pulls them out. Now, every kid knew what had just happened. Here's what happened. Every kid knew that that a jar represented good decisions and bad decisions. Every time a student made a good decision or the class made a good decision, marbles went in. And when bad decisions were made, marbles came out. And so a fistful of marbles meant we really screwed up. So after hearing the story, Brene says, honey, I'm so sorry that that happened. And, uh, and, and Ellen responded, I am never going to trust anyone ever again. And, uh, and the internal uh, mama bear said, amen, amen. In fact, when you go to college, we'll get a, an apartment together. I'll protect you. You go on to school. Uh, and, and, and then the voice of reason kind of settled in. And she said, I, you know, I've got to help my daughter heal. And she's... she's trying to figure out how can she take this life lesson and, and help her daughter. And she goes, the marble jar, perfect. And, and this is what she said. This comes directly out of the book. This is what she told her daughter. We trust the people who have earned marbles over time in our life. Whenever someone supports you or is kind to you or sticks up for you or honors what you share with them as private, you put marbles in the jar. When people are mean or disrespectful or share your secrets, marbles come out. We look for the people who over time put marbles in and in and in until you look up one day and they're holding a full jar. 
Those are the folks you can tell your secrets to. Those are the folks you trust with information that's important to you. Then Brene asked her daughter, so do you have marble jar friends? And she said, sure, Mom. Hannah and Lorna. Well, what have they done to fill their marble jars? He said, well, Hannah, you know, when we were at, at the soccer game, uh, when Oma and Opa came, came up, she said hi to them. And, uh, and, and Brene goes, and? And nothing, that's it. That's it? She says, well, sure, Mom. It's not everyone who has eight grandparents. Uh, so Brene's mom and dad had been uh, uh, divorced and remarried, and her husband Steve's mom and dad had been divorced and remarried. So sh- not everyone has eight grandparents. And I think it's cool that Hannah knows all of them by name. And Lorna, well, she's my half-butt-sit friend. half but what? Well, she's my half-butt-sit friend. What's that, honey? Well, sometimes I get to the cafeteria kind of late, and all the tables are full. And so I'm looking for my, my, my girlfriends, and I see them, and so I go over to the table. It's already full. There's not any empty seats. Lorna, she always slides over and lets me have half the seat. Half-butt-sit friend. Hey, Mom, do you have marble jars? And how do, how do your friends get marbles? Honey, it's different for adults. And the moment she said that, she went to that same soccer game, that same moment when her parents were coming up, and she remembers Eileen, her friend, going, Hey, David. Hey, Deanne. Great to see you. Glad you're here. And, and she realized that how her daughter, Ellen, felt about her friend, Hannah. That's exactly how she felt about her friend, Eileen. Today's message is entitled, Who Are Your Marble Jar Friends? And we've already listened to the story uh, about, uh, about uh, a master going off on a journey and leaving five gold bags, two gold bags, one gold bag. But I also want to turn uh, to, to another place that kind of lines up and really uh, it has a thought that we're going to, to drill down in. And, and that's Luke 16, verses 10 through 12. And, and I'm going to read this, this first line. I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to invite you to read it with me, and then I'll continue uh, the passage. So here's the key verse. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Okay. And, and you know, that really is, as you listen... This is where we're drilling down. So let's uh, say that together, just that, that part. 
Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Now I'll continue. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now I want to take those two thoughts. Uh, first, the, uh, what, the story that Renee shared with us in her book, Dare to Lead, and, and then that line, uh, 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 if you, uh, uh, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Let's start with that, that uh, story. Brene was, was thinking, when she asked her, her daughter, what have your friends done to earn marbles? Uh, she was thinking in terms of what great and wonderful thing have they done? You know, what heroic measure them as BFF, best friends forever. But it's not a big effort. It was a consistent little thing that was done over and over again. And, uh, and Brene also said, as, uh, as someone who studies uh, this, uh, this issue of vulnerability, trust, shame, all of these things, that the studies, that, you know, she realized that's what the studies show, that people develop trust over time with little things. And, uh, and then, you know, again, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And so I summarize all of this uh, uh, with this line. Uh, and as it comes up, let's say it together. Little things make a big difference. Let's say it again. Little things make a big difference. And close your eyes. Now let's say it. Little things make a big difference. So, you know, that's a little thing to remember. I mean, you guys... Uh, you can go ahead and pack up and head home and then, no. Uh, but there, this real, uh, realization that, you know, a lot of times we want to do something heroic and big and, and all, and yet it's the little things that make big differences in other people's lives. Uh, and I was thinking about this in, in, uh, re- in relation to how people give and how the church responds to gifts. Uh, first of all, big, uh, you know, big one-time uh, gifts, they are a blessing, and I don't want to uh, downplay that. Uh, often big uh, gifts uh, allow us to do some things that we weren't imagining before that. But, but I can tell you from a leadership perspective, it's not the unanticipated big gifts that we depend on. We depend on those consistent gifts. Some of them are small. Some of them are large. Some of them are somewhere in between. But the thing that they hold in common is they come on a regular basis. Those folks who weekly or bi-weekly or once a month or once a quarter, but there's consistency in the way that they give. Those little, you know, that little thing makes a big difference in the life of the church as a whole. Now, having said that, I want to look at uh, the story that Jesus told, and it's just really the first couple of verses that I'm going to look at, and I'm going to ask two questions and and address each of them based on uh, today's scripture reading. The first question is, what do we have? 
Uh, and I, I mean in, in, uh, in relation to relationships and resources in our lives. Well, you know, what do you have? What do I have? And, uh, and, then, and then the second thing is, why in the world do we have it? Why do you have what you have? Why do I have what I have? And corporately, as Asbury, what are the relationships and resources that we have, and why do we have them, based on today's story that Jesus told? And so we start with, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. All right, in this passage, it's up here. Uh, He called his servants in, and when they leave that meeting, what do they have? Just tell me exactly what, you know, the Scripture says. What is it? They come in, and they leave that meeting, and they go away with what? Wealth. And some just said wealth. Others said his wealth. And that it's important to say, first of all, they, 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 they gained wealth in that conversation. And it wasn't their wealth. It was his wealth. And, and we, we start with, with that. Now, this morning, uh, in the earlier service, I had them kind of uh, show me how big is the, the bag of gold. Because one got one bag, another got two bags. Uh, a third one got five bags. But how big, in your imagination, was that, 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 that bag, each bag? Kind of show me with your hands. Okay, so I'm going to go, you know, the one I'm seeing, and it's about this big. Okay, all right. Now, think about this. Each bag, each bag is about this big in our imagination. What's in it? Gold. Now, again, think about this. This full of solid gold coins. Is that a little or a lot? I mean, I, I, I kind of checked this morning the price of gold per ounce. And, uh, you know, let's just say this much, I'm, I'm imagining it's, it's at least, you know, $100, $200 thousand dollars okay and, and some poor guy only <laughs> you're right Suze that's that is a lot and that's a that's a, I'm going great great I'm you're catching it whose is it who's it coming from it's coming from the master. It's his wealth. Okay. But everybody got something, and it's important to recognize that the something they got was of great value. Jesus is using an illustration in the first century that we can, we can look up, and, and like I said, you can look up the price of gold right now if you've got a smartphone and, and find out because we still value that. So they all got value from the least to the most they all got something valuable so as I was thinking about this uh, you know I'm, I'm reminded of uh, of what David wrote and and I shared this two weeks ago Psalm 39 12 this is a king who has spent time 
uh, developing a relationship with God. Uh, and, and, and his way of expressing his love for God is through writing words and then putting it to music. So we write words and we put it to music. We call it a what? A song. So he wrote songs to God. And some of this... Uh, uh, talk about God, I need your help, and uh, da, God, I'm in the pits, and some of them are, great are you, and how majestic is your name? Uh, but one of those plays, again, he's writing a song in his relationship to God, and he says this, for I am your guest, a traveler pra- passing through. And so in, in this conversation between him and God, he's acknowledging, I may be king, I may have a lot of power, a lot of influence, but, you know, uh, when it comes to It is your hand who has provided the resources. It's your hand that has brought me into relationship with other people. And so there is this thinking that happens inside of our head that either all mine or it's all his. And what what uh, Jesus in his in this passage, he's leading us to a place that says, "This is how it is in our relationship with God. We acknowledge it all comes from your hand." Now, I. Uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this, and, and when, uh, when I was thinking about this, it, it, uh, I was going, how do you measure what you have that's yours, that it belongs to you? And, and it comes to, down to this. Think about this. The moment you step out of time into eternity, what will go with you? And, uh, and the answer is, my soul. And, and honestly, uh, even that is a gift to God, but it, you know, he gives it to you, it is yours, and you can do with whatever you want, and you, will, you may keep it, or you may return it. The choice is up to you, but that part of you will go when you step out of time into eternity. Um, Yesterday, I was, uh, well, first of all, I, you know, I was there shortly after Dad had passed. I, he was gone. I got the call, your dad is passing, and 10 minutes later, by the time I got there, he was gone. And, uh, and, and so I was in the room when the soul was gone, and I saw what was left. You know, it was a, a well-used body. Uh, but it was still there. And then yesterday, the memorial service, and, and uh, on this side of the sanctuary was my family, and we were a small invading army. I mean, uh, this is how we wrote the sanctuary. Uh, Joe uh, had six kids, 18 grandkids, grandchildren, we lost count. I mean, that's actually how we put it, because he had more great-grandkids uh, 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 than grandkids. But, um, but he, he and my mom created space for 
faith and love and, and we enjoy being together. Uh, I, honestly, uh, there are those moments where we rub up against one another, but we have, I've got, been given a great gift of a wonderful uh, uh, set of siblings that I love and who love me and we get along. And, and there's this wonderful legacy, a legacy that was sitting on this side of the sanctuary. And, uh, and Dad left a, a, a marvelous legacy of faith and love and family. But I want to zero on the first part of it. He left a legacy. We did not go with him. We were left. And so, again, I emphasize everything you and I have is a gift from God. And, I want to emphasize this as well, it is, it is wealth, his wealth, out of his treasury. So it, it isn't crumbs, it isn't leftover, riches. You have, you have been entrusted with his wealth. Even if you think it's a little, do not think it's not of great value in the Father's eyes. Then the, the second part of that is, uh, you know, why? Why do we have it? And, uh, and uh, we come back to that, to the, the, the Matthew 25, 15, and, and listen to, uh, I'm going to stop at some, some point and listen to my question and, and the answer is, it's a written test. It's an open book test. So the answer is up here. All right? Um, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. How did he give one, two, and three? It was... Okay. The answer is, after the comma... And all of you read it together. It was each according to his ability. And now, again, uh, I, I want to start with a disclaimer. This is absolutely not. If you have enough faith, you will have more. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, if I believe it, uh, you know, this isn't about that at all. Nor is it this, this trying to figure out why somebody is sick. Uh, this isn't trying to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? This is simply just trying to measure, uh, simply measure personally, why is it that I have what I have? And it's based on his, uh, you know, as he knows you, uh, as he uh, sees you, he entrusts you with wealth. And, and uh, there is, a, there is a, a simple principle that here that he begins with a little and he increases that little as, as you grow into it. But he does give you his wealth, his riches, according to his purposes. And, uh, and, and, and again, think about this, yeah, that... You, you have something that God has given you because you, God sees in you the skills and abilities to use it. 
whatever that skill or ability is. The relationships, the resources, they come from Him. They are placed in your life and in my life, but always for His purposes. To advance the kingdom and to, and to allow the love of God shine. As, and, um, and, and, and there's this sense that you've been given something of value and you've given, been given it because God has a purpose for you and your life and, and that gift. Now, I'm going to put words in Jesus' mouth. I'm just telling you right now, I, I recognize that's what I'm doing. You will not find this in any of the scriptures. Uh, and yet I can say, I believe it is consistent with scripture the way that uh, Scripture views uh, our relationships and our resources, and it is consistent with the character of Jesus. And I also believe that these two statements are foundational for loving people, transforming lives, making disciples. And so here are the two statements. The first is, I walk my Father's world. I walk my Father's world in, in this, this recognition that everything that I have comes from the Father's hand. And that in this world, when I, as I move about uh, wherever I go, uh, let's say I walk the property line, I'm walking the property line of God the Father. And, uh, and, and there is this, this one encounter at, at the end of uh, Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, he's He's, being, uh, he's already been uh, uh, tried by the religious leaders. Now he's in front of Pilate. And, uh, and, and uh, Pilate is saying, uh, Don't you know I have the authority to release you or condemn you? I have the authority. And the response of Jesus is, You have no authority except that which was given to you from above. Now, uh, in that moment, he was talking about both the authority that came from the emperor and above that, the authority that had come from God. And so Jesus recognized everything comes from the hand of the Father. I walk my Father's world. And then the second statement, I work my Father's will. And, and again, this is the recognition that, you know, I've been given things for, for a reason, and that reason is to bring glory to God and to advance God's kingdom. That's why I have what I have. And I will tell you, Thursday was a miserable day. It was the day I got the call, your dad uh, will not stand up, he is in pain, do you want us to take him to the hospital or do you want to pick him up and take him yourself? I opted, I wanted option A. I took option B. It was the right choice. But we spent five hours after all the tests and stuff just waiting to talk to the doctor. Three times I went up and they said, my dad is 92 years old. What are we waiting for? They happened to be getting, they were slammed that day. Uh, in fact, they were still slammed when uh, Dad was finally uh, uh, admitted. And, uh, and, and like I said, it was a miserable day. But 
I can honestly tell you, I had already been working, as Ellen said, it's a good thing you worked on that yesterday. And I was prepared on Wednesday to bring this message. Things changed. But that message was for me and for my Thursday with my dad. Because as miserable as that day was, I know that my Heavenly Father gave me a time and a place with my earthly father. And I knew this was a gift from God, and I will serve my heavenly father by serving my earthly father. I walk my father's world. I work my father's will. Again, I remind you of the title of this message. Who are your marble jar friends? And I'm going to say, you probably figured it out already. It's not about trying to figure out who are the friends that have full marble jars. It's about you not finding those friends, but being that friend. First of all, in your relationship to God the Father, and then with one another. To live, to love, to laugh. It is all Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.